0: to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, now, that, my friend, is very hard to do. And you have to train, you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body, I mean, the f- everything, I mean, you know, not just a hand. And when you're talking about combat. Well, I mean, if if it, if it is a sport, now now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, oh, with no rules. real fighting. Well, then, baby, you better train every part of your body.
1: Aloha, Penn Nation. We are finally back with another episode of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode 122. We've got two great guests, a couple of lengthy conversations, a whole lot of drama and controversy to unpack and unfold and discuss, and we'll also break down a very big matchup in the lightweight division with one of the competitors involved. So, to elaborate, first up, we're going to be joined by our good friend, Colby Chaos Covington. Unless you lived under a rock, you know all the stuff that's going on within the American Top Team camp between Colby, Dustin Poirier, Jorge Masvidal, and of course, the falling through of the eventual title fight between Colby and Kamara Usman that we were all expecting for the card in Madison Square Garden in November. So we're going to catch up with Colby about all that and a whole lot more. And then closing out the show, we'll be joined by lightweight slugger and fan favorite, set to face Dan Hooker, down under in Australia at UFC 243. Of course, I'm talking about raging ally Aquinta. So again, BJPenn.com Radio, episode 122. Let's waste no time and jump right into it. First up, he's the man you love to hate, Colby Chaos Covington. All right, folks, it's Wicked Wednesday, and it's only right that we bring some chaos to the show. Please welcome the great American winning machine, Colby Chaos Covington. Pleasure as always, Colby. What's the word today, my friend?
2: Jason, it's a pleasure to talk to you again, my buddy, just... uh. You know, another great day in beautiful South Florida, banging hot chicks, training hard at the greatest gym in the world, American Top Team, and and getting calls from the president. Just another day in Colby's chaos Covington shoes.
1: Right. Now, there's a lot to cover today, Colby, but being that it is the 18th anniversary of 9-11, and I know how patriotic you are, I'm wondering what you're doing, if anything, uh, in observance of today. Yeah, to be
2: honest, you know, usually I train two, three times a day and, you know, get extra rounds in the cardio with you know all my chicks in the bedroom but uh today i'm just you know kind of giving a moment of silence i'm taking the day off just you know just remembering the people that have fallen and, and all our first responders the people that are always there for us the the you know the florida uh new york department uh and uh you know, just everybody that put their lives on and lost their lives in nine eleven is something to be remembered. You know, people easily forget about those things and and how it's shaped our history, the course of our history in America. So, you know, I'll never forget those people. Eighteen years ago, it happened, and uh, you know, it, it was really special to be able to go on the USS New York Navy ship and just, you know, there was remnants and parts of nine eleven that were uh, put on the ship, and just seeing the history and everything that's went involved with that is just. You know, I'm taking a a moment of silence today and and just giving it to those people and remembering them.
1: Yeah, man, 18 years. It's been a long time. It's crazy to think that there's adults right now, you know, young adults who who did not see that happen, do not know why, you know, a lot of the things in the world today are the way they are. But uh, I was in high school in study hall when the first plane hit. Teacher wheeled in the TV and we watched the rest unfold. Where were you? yeah
2: same thing man i was uh i was in middle school and uh i remember just hearing from all the teachers like everybody was just like just all of a sudden getting into a panic and they were like school's canceled everybody go home you know and the news had been broken and it just i just remember feeling like empty inside and just like lost like what was going on like everybody was freaking out panicking like the news was showing you know the the twin towers collapsing and just Man, it's the craziest, literally the craziest craziest moment in my life that I can remember just being, just just, just feeling so bad and sad and deeply, you know, just a traumatic feeling, you know?
1: Absolutely, I think it was traumatic. It seems like that was the case for everyone. If you were in school, if you were a kid in school at that time, you watched it all unfold live on a television. So, definitely something that, that sticks with you for life, that's for sure. Truly a day of infamy, but... Also a day that united the nation, you know, quite the opposite of where we are today in a very divided America. However, my friend, you have been dealing with some division lately and a whole lot more. Uh, First, I'd like to start with this title situation. You gave a breakdown earlier this week of what happened, but for all of our listeners who might not have heard that scoop, tell us the synopsis of how this fight with Kamara Usman fell through yet again for November 2nd in Madison Square Garden. Or, I'm sorry, no, nah, not no, November 2nd, but uh, the Madison Square Garden card in November.
2: Yeah, you know, they, they wanted us to main event, and uh, they couldn't get the B-side locked up. And when I mean the B-side, I'm talking about Mark Fake Newsman's side. He he refused to fight anybody, let alone me. They wanted me to fight him, and then, you know, he said no. And then they wanted, uh, you know, George to fight him. He said no to George. They used George as a pawn, by the way, you know, because George is the most desperate. He's the one that's broke and has to pay, you know, his ex-wife alimony and this and that. So he needs, he needs to fight real bad, you know. He's got bills to pay. And then, you know, obviously they asked Leon Scott, you know, what, if he would take it. And of course, he's jumping at the chance to take it because he's broke and has nothing going for him and no one even knows who he is. So, you know, Usman didn't want to fight anybody. So that's really how it came together. And. And uh, it sucks that we couldn't do it. I wanted to go and make the garden great again. You know, the president's right down the street. I know he was waiting, and he was probably going to be front row. And, of course, the first family was going to be there. So it just would have been really convenient to be in Manhattan right down the street from Trump Tower, you know, not too far of a drive from the White House so the president could come. It's, it's just it's unfortunate that we couldn't come to terms and make the fight happen. But I'm sure it'll happen sooner than later, and, and uh, there's only one fight to make, and that's me versus Marty Fake Newsman, and that's that.
1: So the UFC offered money that you did not feel was accurate, accurately reflecting your worth to the company, and there was no room for negotiation at that point?
2: That's exactly right, Jason. They, they gave me a basic challenger's offer, and, you know, the numbers didn't line up. And let's be honest, I'm not a challenger. I'm a champion. I won the belt, and then I defended my belt my last fight against Robbie Lawler. So you come... UFC better come to me correct next time they come to me with that negotiation shit. Don't give me that hostage negotiation bullshit. Will you give me one offer and you don't give any wiggle room for negotiation? That's not a negotiation. that's that's a hostage negotiation and that and that's not right. So they need to make things right and do it or you know let's let's be honest, Jason. I don't know if you remember last time Dana White got me slightly agitated. I exposed his license plate to the world, among other things that we won't talk about right now. So the UFC better realize that if they get me agitated, it's not going to end up good for them.
1: You know, just to touch on that, I don't want to get into the details of it, but some people are speculating that the UFC Dana White, the UFC brass, have a gripe with you based on some of that stuff that happened with Dana from before. Do, Do you feel like that's the case at all?
2: No, nah, if, if if there's a gripe, you know the only gripe is is that you know they're prejudiced to me and the MAGA brand because you know the new UFC owners they hate Trump. They're all super liberal left left wing Hollywood guys, so you know they just hate my gimmick and they and they hate you know that I support our president and support our country. I love America. I love the troops and I love the Trumps. So they have a problem with that and they don't like that. And they don't want me to be on their platform, you know, and, and, and promoting, you know, Donald Trump when they they don't agree with him. So, you know, I think that's the only problem. I don't think, I think if they look at the problem that I have with Dana and this and that, that, that's business, man. And, And, and even Dana White said itself, I love what you're doing. You're doing good business. And, and you know, so if I'm doing good business, you guys need to come to me with fair business. Don't don't come with that bullshit where you, it's take it or leave it because that's not how negotiations work. So come to me with a fair offer. We meet in the middle and let's get this done. Everybody knows what kind of business I do. I do the business. I do the best business in the business. I put the load of of the promoting on my back. I'm a self-promoter. I'm a self-marketer. The UFC's never done anything for me, Jason. I'm self-made. I did this all by myself. They didn't fly me out to the little retreats. They didn't fly me out to the UFC events, pay me this. They never put me on their Instagram or Twitter. I did this all by myself, so they need to come correct or, or, you know, then they're not going to get the best draw in sports. That's Colby Chaos Cummington.
1: Now, I don't expect you to give us actual numbers, but what can you say about their offer? You know, was it similar to to the offer you had fighting Robbie? Was it a a little more, but not enough? Was it less? I mean, again, I don't expect actual numbers, but tell us about the offer.
2: Yeah, it it, it was less than... Originally, it was less money than than I got to fight against Robbie Lawler. And how does that make any sense? When you win a fight, let alone the fight of that magnitude where I main-evented and... And uh, I got the first family front row. That's a record. I broke a strikes record. Most strikes ever thrown and landed in a UFC fight. That's another UFC record. Oh, yeah, the president of the United States called me after the fight. That's another record. Oh, and by the way, Jason, the president tweeted about my last fight before I fought Robbie Lawler. Before I fought it, he sent out a tweet. And my managers broke down that tweet, Jason. That analytics tweet of of the president tweeting about this – is worth $3.5 million in marketing dollars for a company if you if the president were to tweet about their company. So they got well more than their money's worth for me fighting the last fight and building that fight, selling the fight, and the president selling their fight. So, you know, that it's not fair that they come to me with a less offer than that fight for Robbie when I just did all that, put the work on my back and, and sold the show and main evented it and put on a show and completely, you know, destroyed Robbie Lawler and left him in a pool of his own blood. So... You know, they need to come correct with me with their next negotiation or we're not going to do business. It's going to be as simple as that because I got other things going on in my life. I don't need to fight. I got good endorsements right now. I don't need to fight. They need me more than I need them.
1: So you tell the UFC you want to be paid what you're worth and only rightfully so. They decline and immediately move on. We hear another matchup was offered to Usman, as you mentioned, uh, Jorge Masvidal. That didn't materialize soon enough. Then the news breaks that Masvidal will fight Nate Diaz and headline that card what was your reaction to that
2: uh you know my reaction was awesome they're making a journeyman motherfucking title it's about time they they make a title for the journeyman because the journeymen are never going to get a chance at the real title so you might as well make this fake believe title for them because they're 50-50 fighters they they have a combined record between George and Nate of 9 and 7 at welterweight does that does that sound worthy of any title shots they also uh, George was two and two in his last four fights, and five and five in his last ten fights. He's a fifty fifty fighter with double digit losses on his record. Nate Diaz, another guy who has double digit losses and barely is a fifty fifty fighter. So, you know, I'm not surprised that the UFC wants to, you know, put a journeyman motherfucking title on the line in New York because they need a title to sell at Madison Square Garden. So be it. It it doesn't affect me and my business. There's only one business and one fight to make right now, and that's Marty Fake Newsman. I'm not looking past anybody else. I'm only worrying about ruining Marty Fake Newsman's life. And and there's a reason he's hiding in Africa right now, because he knows America's champ is here, and he's not staying in America because he knows what I'll do to him.
1: Now, before we get into the situation with Jorge, you said earlier this week that you'd like to headline the card in D.C. against Usman, even though it's not a pay-per-view uh, do you think that's realistic? Do you think Usman would take that offer? And will your team be pushing for that scenario?
2: Um, yeah, my team's pushing for the scenario because, you know, what What better platform, you know? I need the biggest platform possible because, I, you know, I'm the biggest name in the game right now. I, I'm selling. I'm making headlines every week. I'm selling the fights. I'm undefeated, undisputed. So it only makes sense that I go to the nation's capital and, and – it's right down the street from the White House, so the Trumps can come, and it's just an easy commute for them. And it's on ESPN, the the, the biggest platform in the world. You know, pay per view is a dead model, Jason. I mean, the the, the well has dried up. There's just no one watches it anymore. You have to you have to subscribe to the ESPN app just to order it. It's just it's a headache, and and UFC killed that model. So I don't want to fight on that model. I want to fight on the ESPN model. You know, millions of homes have espn and and it only makes sense that i go to espn in washington dc i don't know how realistic it is they've told me that they don't like the idea because they want title fights on e on pay-per-view but you know this is a a, a huge fight and, and having the trump's front row and and, and the possibility of the president coming to a fight i think you should put it on espn
1: yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of posit, uh uh positive notes for them as far as financially to doing that but on the same side with financials for a fighter like yourself I mean, typically you get pay-per-view points. I mean, you're willing to sacrifice that in order to put on this kind of event in D.C.?
2: Yeah, because if you look at the pay-per-view points, uh, they completely kill pay-per-view. And the UFC has such a messed up pay-per-view structure these days. Supposedly, you can only get pay-per-view money once oh, past 200,000 buys. So how stupid is that, that they kill pay per and pay-per-view down over 300%. Like, they were doing 500 to a million buys. Now they can barely even scratch the surface of 200, 300,000. So, really, pay-per-view is a, a dead thing. It's like buying a new car, Jason, and they throw in
1: floor mats with the offer. Right. Right. I get what you're saying. And I definitely agree that it's it's a dying medium. Uh, you see what the WWE has done with, with, uh, with uh, the WWE Network. I think that is definitely the direction to go. But until then... It's like you know what are they doing? Like you said, subscribe to ESPN Plus, then buy the pay per view. I mean, they're they're whacking you, they're whacking your wallet double time there.
2: Exactly, they're wa- they're whacking your your wallet double time. And you know what's even the most fucked up about it is that ESPN's paying UFC five hundred thousand on five hundred thousand buys per pay per view, no matter what. So the UFC doesn't have an incentive to make the biggest fights on pay-per-view and this and that because their pockets are already set with ESPN. They're already getting paid their money. So they don't care about putting on – the, the biggest entertaining fights they don't care about making the fans happy and putting on the fights the fans want to see they're just doing what's good for their pocket and 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 honestly they think their brand's bigger than the fighters and and that's why the fighters need to learn from me i'm standing up for the fighters the, the, the fair, fighters can talk shit about me all they want say this and that well you know what i'm paving the way i'm paving the way for all you fighters to get paid someday because i know my worth and i know my value and i'm not taking anything less jason
1: now we've talked about this countless times but yet again We're at an impasse where you deserve the title fight, and whether it be the fighter on the other side of the contract or the UFC brass, nobody seems willing to oblige you. I can't imagine you're feeling very positive about how you fit into the company or the politics of the matchmaking for that matter.
2: Yeah, I'm not happy about it, but, you know, I'm a boss and I do whatever I want. You see that the UFC cannot manipulate me. They can manipulate any fighter. They can say, hey, do this and that, or, or we'll do this, we'll fire you, this and that. Fire me, I'll go make more money somewhere else. You know, I'm not, I'm not scared of what could happen. You know, I do what I want when I want. I fight when I want. They know they need me. They know that, that my worth and that, you know, I'm the draw right now, and I'm selling fights, and I'm only, my brand's only getting bigger by the day. You know, I haven't even scratched the surface of my potential yet. My true potential will be shown soon, and I'm barely even hitting my prime as far as age. You know, 30 years young, I'm getting better every day. So, you know, I can play this game. If the UFC wants to play chicken, they got the right guy for it because I'm not scared to play chicken with them.
1: It almost feels like they're trying to back you into a corner yet again. I know you said that this wasn't the case, but Dan Lambert had explained that you know, with the Robbie Lawler fight, he felt that you were backed into a corner. It seems like that's kind of happening again. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's how UFC does business. They do the bully tactics, they do the slave labor negotiations, you know, it's, it's sick man they don't want to pay any of the fighters because they want everybody to be poor so they keep back coming back and fighting all the time and fighting six times a year and doing it for the brand doing it for the company and the and the UFC always makes promises you know they made me so pro, so many promises oh, I'll do this and we'll we'll give you a favor here we'll throw you a bone next time they never end up throwing that bone back man they just use you even more next time so you know it's just I, i'm not going to be played for a fool anymore man they want to they want to they want to do business like that then you know they're not going to get any business that's
1: that Right, I remember you saying that with the Robbie Lawler fight that you were the UFC made the call. They needed you to do them a favor, and you did just that. And you were hoping for the return on the on the flip side there, and that does not seem to be the case now.
2: Yep, that's not the case. You know, they said, "Oh, show up for the Robbie Lawler fight." And, and needless to say, Robbie was training for twelve weeks for that fight. He was getting ready for Woodley, but Woodley was scared, and he pulled out with a sore pinky. So, uh Woodley didn't want to get knocked out by Robbie. He was scared. He knows he got lucky the first time. So, you know, I showed up on four weeks' notice without a training camp because I got a nasty cut from a headbutt the first week in training camp. Couldn't even train. Pretty much had to run on the treadmill every day. That's it. That's not training, timing, accuracy, this and that. So I showed up with no camp to save the UFC, to save the main event, to bring the first family, to get the president tweeting about the UFC, you know, about to get all the troops all over the world watching in their bases because I'm America's and the troops favorite favorite fighter and, and the UFC still doesn't do good for me I make them millions and millions and they just continue to just pocket all that money and they don't want to they don't want to pay me a fraction not even five percent of any of that money it's, it's ridiculous how they can pocket 95 98 percent and not give the fighters any more than two three percent
1: now I know you've said that the the politics of the new owners plays a big factor but you know does the UFC really not like you or how you've built your brand are you too controversial i mean or is it just the politics of the new owners
2: i think it's a little bit of both i think uh you know i think that you know they don't they don't like the the maga thing man they they truly deep down inside you know uh who, the who, who's the new the WME, IMG guys those guys are super hollywood left guys you know they hate they hate trump with a passion so you know, they don't want any guy promoting Trump, you know, and bringing this and that. They, they, they're so spiteful. They don't care if the numbers are out of this world and I'm knocking home runs out of the park with, with the Trump trunk. They don't care about that. It's just, it's just, it's such a pity thing and it's such a personal thing and they're in their feelings, they're in their emotions and, and really they need to rename their company the Ultimate Feelings Championship because a lot of guys over there have their feelings hurt.
1: So, bottom line, if you can't get Usman for D.C., what's your next move i know you're willing to play hardball but i also know that you're a competitor at heart at what point is enough enough
2: yeah i I love to compete man i'm a true competitor and and I'm, i'm hitting my stride right now i'm the best in the world there's not a man alive that can touch me in that octagon so i would love to fight and get in there and just keep you know shutting up snowflakes keep silencing all the haters all the doubters out there and proving once again that i'm the best fighter in the world but you know they're gonna have to just meet me in the middle. That's that's what it's gonna take for me to get back in there. I don't care who I fight. It really doesn't matter who I fight. I already have a world title. I already defended my world title. So anybody can come get this work and fight me for the world title, but they need to come correct with with the pay for it because I have more then earn my worth. You know, everything I've done, first fighter in the history of the sport to go to the White House, hang out with the sitting president, first fighter to break the strikes record, first fighter to bring the first family, first fighter to get the president tweeting the fight, all those marketing dollars, millions and dollars from the president's tweet, this and that, you know, put my life on the line for this company, went to Brazil, shot the greatest promo in Fox Sports history, you know, and, and put my life on the line. People wanted to kill me for the things I've said. I've, I've lost relationships. I've lost family members. I've lost... Uh, uh, coaches over, over doing this stuff. And that's all because of the business, the UFC, I'm trying to do business and and get all the numbers right for the UFC. And they still don't want to reward me. I've put it all in the line, sacrificed it all. So they need to come right with the, with the negotiation next time or, or don't come at all.
1: And I, I'll tell you what, man, for, for all it's worth, everything that you've said is controversial as you've been. Even a hater would say it's only reasonable to meet you halfway. So I agree with you 100% there. Yeah,
2: there's there's got to be some wiggle room, you know. You can't just come with someone with an offer. That's not ne- how is that negotiation? If you just come for an offer and you just say you take it or leave it and, or we move on. How's that's not negotiating. That's just that's just hostage uh slave negotiation. That's not fair and it's not right and 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 it needs to be addressed you know it's it's sad that we don't have a union and and uh to protect our fighters and more importantly an even revenue share you know like football like like boxing like basketball, this and that, so you know it's it's sad times that the u f c monopolized and they took over the market. And the fighters, they, they can't compete with them. So, you know, I, I'm willing to stand up for what's right, and, and I'm standing up for what I believe in, and, and no one's going to tell me different. I, I'm, it's not about the money or the fame to me, Jason. I could care less. I have enough money where I don't have to fight or ever do anything again, and I'll be happy with the rest of my life. You know, But I'm going to put my foot down and stand up for what's right. And hopefully the, fi- the fighters follow suit and, and learn from me and, and learn from my lessons and, and everything I'm doing right now.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, man. You, you touch on something there. That's near and dear to my heart. I've said it many, many times on the show, talked to many people about it, collective bargaining for you guys, and, and like you said, the the proper revenue share, the way this sport should be. Uh, all of that being said, I mean, your connections with the president, everything that you're talking about putting your foot down, do you see yourself as maybe the guy to kind of spearhead that movement?
2: uh yeah I, th- I think so i think it'll be more of a silent movement you know i'm not looking to get in the court and really try and go to bat with ufc in in, in that regard but right. i'm just i'm just looking to stand up for what's right and voice my opinion man everybody's entitled to their own opinion and even though somebody all these people get their feelings hurt by opinions which you know these opinions aren't even wrong they're truth most of the time it, you know it's just it, it's not right and uh you know if someone has a problem with my opinion you know then they can come see me in the octagon, but
1: it's not going to end well for him. Well, I hope that the fight that you've been promised for quite some time finally comes to fruition eventually. However, man, there's some stuff unfolding between yourself and Jorge Masvidal that I was personally not expecting. There's a lot to unpack with everything that's been said earlier this week. First, though, Jorge said that he became upset with you after a situation involving his long one of his longtime coaches, a guy that apparently had cornered you for the RDA fight. Do you know what he's referring to, and can you elaborate on that at all?
2: Nah, I have no idea what he's talking about. It's more fake news. Honestly, you can't believe anything that comes out of George's mouth. The guy's a liar. He's a thief. You know, you you can't trust that guy. Literally, anything he says is fake news. So, you know, the thing with George is George knows what happens when he stops on the tracks when the Colby train's coming through. You want a preview? Go type in YouTube, Jorge vs. Colby. I beat him up for an hour. Yeah, it wasn't hard. To all you nerds and virgins out there, use some of the do- downtime in your mom's basement and turn on YouTube because I know you don't know how to turn on a woman.
1: <laughs> did Did Jorge give you any inclination that you weren't friends at that point or any point over the past few months? I mean, speaking to you both, I would have guessed that everything was cool until your tweet from last week.
2: Jorge gave me an inclination that it really bothered it, bothered him that he got his ass beat by Damian Maya, and then I went out there and beat Damian Maya's ass, and and once I passed him in the rankings, started making more money than him and banging hotter chicks than him. That's when he started to get jealous and bitter. And, and what can I do? I, you know, it's just another hater. Adam can list. I have some of the most haters in the world right now. So I could give a fuck less about him. You know, this is personal and this, this is business now and no one gets away in my business. You want to fuck with my money, motherfucker? Come get it. You know what happens. You never won one second of one round against me in the, in the eight years we trained together. What makes you so hard now? You think you're a little street thug, bitch. We'll see what's up soon. I'll be at ATT. I'm there every day, Jason. I was there on Monday. I was there Tuesday. All that hard talk for these dudes are going to see me in ATT. I'm there, motherfuckers. Where you at?
1: Now, you mentioned mentioned the hate. There was certainly a lot of hate coming out of him earlier this week. He accused you of being super sensitive, said that you cry when you read comments. He suggested that you pay for sex and get uncomfortable around women. I wanted, obviously, to give you an opportunity to respond to all of that, all the stuff he said on Monday.
2: Yeah, just just more fake news you know this is the guy that is the king of loving hookers you know every every fight trip we went on he had to get hookers cuz he can't he can't close with a real girl this is the same guy. If you go look on the the Tales from the Grind video, we bring over two hot Brazilian chicks, and I'm the only one that got laid. He didn't get laid, and these I didn't have to pay to get laid. So really, he's trying to use reverse psychology because he loves hookers and he has to pay for all his chicks. Because I mean, who's gonna who's gonna fuck a scrub like that with his hair? He's he's looking disgusting, man. He I mean, he has no hygiene. The dude showers like once a week. He's pathetic in that regard. So you know, there's not really much to address more than he's just putting fake news out there and, and trying to find something to get him hyped up. But th- this story doesn't end well for him. I I promise you that. He will have the biggest downfall in all of sports, and and I'll be there laughing.
1: Now, the thing said between you guys, it's a big contrast from the last time I spoke to him and, and asked about you, and and the same with you. The last time we spoke, to, spoke and this came up, I know you seemed he seemed a bit upset about your promotion style i kind of got that vibe and i know you called him robin to your batman but now he's saying that if you want to fight you know where to find him in the gym you're saying the exact same thing do you see you two crossing paths anytime soon and if so what happens
2: i mean what happens is the same thing that always happens jason i just i beat his ass i give him a wedgie and and that's that he's not going to do anything to me man he has no chance against me man he's he, he literally he's not going to touch the great american winning machine he's a 50-50 fighter he's a journeyman in the sport i mean he's he's just trying to he's just trying to latch on to something before his career ends so he can get a little bit of fame cuz he cares about fame and money so much he sold out his family doesn't doesn't even talk to his mom no more cuz of fame and money and this now and fight my mom uh but, I'll fight my mom, you know. I, I don't care about fighting Kobe, this and that. So he's a sellout, man. That, that guy's the the biggest sellout in all the sports. And and you know, he, I just I care less, man. What's he gonna do to me, man? I beat his ass every day. He's never touched me. You know, he's been beat up by Damian Maya, beat up by Stephen Wonder Wonder Girl Thompson. You know, the guy's a scrub, man. He's he's a jobber. He's a he's a gatekeeper in the division. So. I'm always ready, man. I'm at ATT every single day. He knows where to find me. He wants to talk all hard on the internet. He knows where to find me. But if he'd be smart, he'd, he'd, he'd be real smart to learn that, hey, take your ass whooping it in in the octagon and get paid a lot of money for it. Be a businessman. Be a professional. Because that's what we are. We're, we're professional businessmen in the entertainment business. So if he was smart, he would conduct his business the right way in the octagon because I really don't want to have to drop him on his head on the concrete and, and him have to pull out of the fight with Nate Diaz and, and risk his uh, basic, uh, you know, hundred thousand dollar fight for his Diaz.
1: Yes. now i gotta tell you man like again you, things have been between you guys it, it, it seemed like this was not coming but it sounds like stuff was going on behind the scenes where you guys were just kind of keeping up um keeping up appearances is, is, is that accurate
2: uh you know it's just it's just—it's just a—it's just a, a long time coming to the head for it, you know. The head to come to the surface, you know. He—I beat Damian my, He got beat up by Damian Maia. I, I started to see him turn, and like he wasn't like we weren't responding to each other so much in texts and calls, and he was—he didn't want to come hang out with me as much anymore. And then—and then I tried to do right by him and bring him out to my title fight versus Rafael dos Nachos, and he didn't even—he didn't even show up for the fight until one fight before me. Didn't hang out with me all week. Didn't help me cut weight. Didn't train with me never never want to trade with me because he's a selfish bastard as it is, you know, he only cares about himself. He loved me so much earlier in my career because, you know, I was a nobody at the time and, and he just wanted my help. But as soon as I he was threatened by me and I was doing better than him, making more money and this and that, then then he wanted nothing to do with me because that's the type of person George is. It's a one way street with George. George doesn't come to help people in American top team. He only comes to help when he has a training campus on his time. I'm not like that. I, I help everybody. I help the amateurs, I help everybody in the gym. You know, I'm there all the time to help everybody out, give everybody knowledge. He's not that type of teammate. He's just he's a selfish, self-righteous little prick and and uh you know, he, he got up in his feelings. He's a, that's why he's the ultimate feelings champ. He's all sensitive and emotional now and and um uh, yeah, man, it's just it's it's sad that it had to come to this and we have to be like this cuz we used to be best friends, man. For Six, seven years, best friends, went everywhere to go together, brought him out to Oregon to, to help train wrestling. But, you know, I just found out he showed his true colors of what he really was. He was just using me all that time. He just wanted me to help him with wrestling and be around on his schedule when it was convenient for him. And now I'm doing better than him, and, and he can't take that, you know. So if he's willing to take this half-beat in the UFC octagon and fade away into you know uh, uh, oblivion you know then, then that's his choice but you know my choice is is winning making a lot of money and banging the hottest chicks in the sport so you know i'm just going to keep doing that and stay in my lane he can stay in his lane but if he crosses in my lane it's not going to end up good the colby train will run over his train
1: now like you said you guys were friends for so many years all of this stuff aside i mean at, at this point it sounds like it's not going to be the case but at this point is there any chance of of, of sal- salvaging this relationship this friendship?
2: Nah, zero zero chance, man. He he was trying to fight me at the at the last LA show when I walked in for the pay per view for Daniel Cormier versus Deepa, and of course, yours truly, Colby Cass Covington stole the show, and of course, jealous uh, George being jealous again because I had the whole arena on the feet, not even looking at the fights on the pay per view; they were just focused on me and going front row. So, you know, and then and then I had thousands of fans lining up to take pictures with me. So, again, George is jetter, jealous and bitter. And, of course, he's in the fifth row because he's a jobber and a journeyman. So they're not going to put him in the front row like myself, the UFC champion. So he was coming up to my six, you know, in the third row trying to chatter at me, talk this shit. I'm like, bitch, we could do it any time. But, you know, I'm a smart businessman. We could do it in the octagon and we can get paid money and I could beat your ass and break your jaw. But you know, I'm not gonna do it here and waste my career, waste my title shot, all the money I'm about to make, because I'm not a little street thug like yourself, you know. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's sad that I had to come to this, but you know, that times change, you know, and people change. More importantly, so you know, I, I'm, I'm not. It's not about him, you know. It's not the only thing I care about is is my GM American Top Team, Dan Lambert, uh, the troops, you know, every military serviceman, the first responders, and obviously the Trumps. That's who I fight for. That's why I'm America's champ.
1: Now, you you mentioned the situation at um, the event there in L.A. He had said something to the effect that uh, there was some words exchanged between you guys, and then you approached Dana White and said that he was, uh, uh, I don't know, assaulting you or something. What's your response to that?
2: My response is, is more fake news, man. I, I look right back at him. I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? You you want to fight? Fight, dude. Just throw the first punch. Watch watch what happens when I self defend myself and drop you on your head and break your fucking jaw, and you never fight again because you're gonna get fucking hurt, kid. You're a little fifty five pound lightweight. You know what what's happened the last eight years we trained together. Now, all of a sudden, you want to act tough. But the thing with this guy is is, is George, you know, is he wants to act tough on media, you know. He wants to keep up this image. Oh, I'm a street thug. I'll do this and that. So that's all it is. It's all for the cameras because he knows what happens if he steps to me. So, you know, he wants to keep remain, maintain this little image for all his little Miami thugs and maintain this hardcore image. But at the end of the day, he's nothing more than a job or a journeyman. And at the end of the day, uh. Uh, you want to know what the, the craziest thing about all this is that you know the people that present themselves as the nicest guys on camera are usually the most shitty piece of shits off the camera, and, and that's a guy like George and Dustin. You know, a guy like me who's a bad guy on camera, I'm actually a pretty nice guy in real life. So, uh, you know, who's who's in the wrong there?
1: Yeah, I think that would that would ring true in in most cases. I would agree with you there. But you know, you mentioned American Top Team, how much you love the how much you love the team, and and how much Dan Lambert means to you. Uh, but how does this affect your relationship with everyone there? You know, you mentioned Poirier. He called you a sellout recently. I know the Brazilian fighters were pretty upset with you after the Maya fight. Now this stuff with Jorge, you must not be very popular guy in the training room right now.
2: Oh, I'm the most popular. I, all eyes on me, baby. They know when, when the Colby train comes through, all the eyes and all the shows on me. I'm a show stealer. So, you know, the thing with Dustin is 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 why is he mad? You know, I, I can't have an opinion. All I did was pick Khabib to win. That's just an opinion. And, it, and was it a true opinion? Oh, yeah, it was a true opinion, Jason. So So Dustin's mad because I gave a true opinion. I couldn't let the people down, Jason. It was America's pick of the week, and I had to make everybody's bank accounts great again. So I you know I'm I'm entitled to my own opinion, it's freedom of speech in America, right?
1: No, absolutely. And I think uh you know most uh, professional analysts would have agreed that and and picked Khabib for the win.
2: Exactly. So so what's he mad about? I'm not a sellout. I bought in and he tapped out. That's what happened. And if he wants to be mad about my opinion, dude, I didn't get mad at your opinion. You picked Robbie Lawler to beat me. You you were glaring at me, hoping Robbie Lawler knocked me out. The whole training camp, I could see it through your eyes. You didn't want to train because your best friends are Robbie, this and that. So, you picked Robbie to, to win. Did I get my feelings hurt? No. I went out there and proved you wrong, bitch.
1: Now, I remember you saying that you and Poirier were tight at one point. Obviously, that's not the case now. I mean, what's the next conversation with him like when you run into him at the gym?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say that me and Poirier were tight. We, just, we, we, were tra- we trained together a couple times, you know, like – He came out like a year and a half ago and helped me out for the RDA fight. I'd helped him out so many times. I mean, anytime he needed wrestling or grappling, I always gave him – you know, my my best work for him and and helped him push the pace and feel the cardio and feel what it's like to to train with the best fighter in the world and just always helped him out and and he wants to spit in my face and turn his back on me, you know, with the Robbie Lawler fight and and then and then I come out with an opinion and he wants to act like I'm a sellout. No, I'm not a sellout, bud. I just gave my opinion and, and let's be honest, everybody's entitled to their own opinion in America, whether you like it or not, that's not my fault if you want to be emotional and be up in your feelings. But You know, as far as the next time I see him, I I mean, I'm at American cop Team every day. He knows where to find me. He knows what happens every time we train together as well. So, you know, it it won't end for him well either if he wants to step to me and act all hard. But, you know, he can get out his feelings and realize that, you know, this is a business, and we're doing business. And he, You know, I don't have to be friends with everybody in the gym. There's nothing that says in the ATT handbook that says, oh, you must be friends with every fighter at the gym. No, we can agree to disagree on things, and we can go our own way. You stay on one side of the gym, I'll stay on one side, uh, the other side of the gym. Don't bring that drama to me uh, uh, because I promise you, I promise you if you step to me and you bring that drama, I promise you it will not end well for you.
1: Could this ever reach a point where things get so heated at ATT that you maybe have to I don't know, leave the gym or, or, or consider moving to a new camp?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a very real possibility. You know, it's a very real possibility. I don't know. I think I think Dan Lambert is, is a little bit nervous about it, you know, we've been having talks the last couple of days and he's very nervous about it. He doesn't know what's gonna happen. You know, he knows that uh, those guys aren't happy, you know, and, and they're mad about opinions. But those were these were right opinions, by the way. It wasn't any lies. It was all truthful opinions. So they want to be mad about all these truthful opinions. And who knows? You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm always there at the gym. They know where to find me. But you know, if they want to cause the scene and, and make friction in the gym, I, I know Dan doesn't like that. And he doesn't want that rap. That's the worst part about this. Is that. Is the rap our gym's getting that there's so much friction in the gym, you know, but everybody knows the results speak for themselves. American top team is the greatest gym in the world. We have the best fighters. We have the best coaches and we have the best facilities. So, you know, I, I just hope that Dan doesn't let the, you know, the, the opinion of outsiders influence, you know, what, what we're really doing. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, people are going to love you and people are going to hate you, man. Just take it all. There's no such thing as bad publicity. The only bad publicity is no publicity.
1: That's very true. That's very true. I know you and Dan are close, and I know in one of my conversations with him, he said sometimes, you know, he wishes you wouldn't go so far as you do, but, I mean, at the end of the day, talking with him about the situation there and this division that, that seems to be growing, I mean, is he telling you to tone it down? Is he saying, Kobe, please, for the sake of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, professionalism? like You know, can, can you tone it down a bit? Where is he coming at you from with all of this?
2: Yeah, you know, he hasn't told me to tone it down, but Dan Lambert is the one and only person in this whole entire world that, if he told me something, I would listen. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a boss; I'm my own boss. But if he gave me advice and, and gave me. Piece of wisdom, I would listen to him because he's done a lot for me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here today, you know, as world champion of the UFC and undefeated, undisputed, without Dan Lambert. He's, he's literally gave me the shirt off his back, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm very thankful to him and grateful to him, and I hope we can make this right. I hope he can understand, you know, he understands psychology and pro wrestling and, and promotion and and angles and this and that. So I hope he understands what we're doing and and what we're trying to accomplish. But you know. I, it's his gym and at the end of the day he's gonna make the decisions and and whatever whatever decision he makes I'm gonna be okay with that because I trust his decision making and, and what he wants to do with his gym and, and you know either way you know I'm gonna keep winning fights I'm gonna keep you know getting the big biggest paychecks in sport and, and nobody's gonna stop me it doesn't matter where I'm at uh, you know I'm the best fighter in the world and, and no one's gonna prove me different.
1: Well, listen, Colby, I know your time is valuable, and and I greatly appreciate the time you've given us today, as always. Uh, I could keep talking to you about this topic for quite some time, but let's change gears here and wrap this thing up. Uh, While Masvidal is fighting Nate Diaz, the elder Diaz, Nick Diaz, he responded to you uh, specifically in a recent video. He said, you know where to find him, and if you want to throw down, go see him. Did you see that video, and what's your response to Nick?
2: Yeah, I saw that video, man. It, it was really sad. I think uh, Nick Diaz is really starting to see the effects of CTE. He's mumbling, stumbling, little dummy. The guy's hooked on weed. He needs to get hooked on phonics. So that guy's that guy's embarrassing, man. Like he's taking way too many shots to the head to be talking like that to the welterweight king, Colby Chaos Covington. So. You know, There's not really much to say. I, I, I hope he enjoys retirement. We all know he's scared to fight because he was offered a fight contract last year at MSG, and he turned it down like the little bitch and little Stockton soy boy he is. Nick Diaz has Stockton slaps, but that ain't got shit on me What I got MAGA bombs.
1: Alright, and in closing, if negotiations do not improve, or if Kamaru's unreceptive to, unreceptive to the matchup against you, where does that put you in terms of your career? How do you proceed? And you know, how do you proceed with all the stuff that's going on at the gym?
2: Yeah, Usman don't want to fight no one. I don't think he got 30% through his negotiation. I heard there's a little rip with him and Ali. They ain't doing so well. So I thought him and Ali were running shit, you know. But really, they're scared to fight. They're bitches, you know. He took 30% of his jacket off when I beat Robbie Lawler's ass because he knows if he takes 100% of that jacket off, I leave him unconscious over at the Prudential Center on ESPN in Newark, New Jersey. So. You know, let's do this: American Dream versus Nebraska Nightmare. You know, Marty Marty Fake Newsman grew up in Dallas. He went to college in Nebraska. He has nothing to do with Nigeria. He's just he's just a little scam artist trying to uh, latch on to anything because no one cares about him and he has no gimmick and no character and no personality. So they need to make this fight happen. And, and as far as the other the other peasants we're talking about, the other jobbers, you know, they need to just stay in their lane. Cause If they come in my lane, you know what happens. The Colby train doesn't stop for no one. He will run you over. So you can either get off the Colby tracks when he's coming through and wave as it goes by, or you can get ran over. The choice is yours.
1: And in conclusion, any shout-outs, sponsor plugs? Before we let you go, man, the floor is yours as always.
2: Yeah, biggest shout-out to Dan Lambert, American Top Team. Also, my endorsements. You know, big, big shout-out to California CBD. We're doing big things in the CBD industry. They got a they got a warehouse out in California, Salinas, California, so they're doing good business, and, and I'm, I'm a proud to have an endorsement from California CBD. Also, Dr. Patty Dental, man. They're, they're making yours truly the best smile in the game. You know, the smile that kills all the haters and makes all the, the women's knees late, uh, weak. And then also... <laughs> Mark Russell suits, you know, he's always supplying me with the best suits in the game so, you know, I can be suited and booted and look beautiful on television. Also my boy Luigi Girardi out of Miami, he's making some beautiful suits. So check out the Girardi collection and, and uh we got some you know, I got another six figure endorsement deal coming in the next week. I can't tell you who yet, but I can tell you it's gonna be massive and, and you know, it's gonna be so big that, you know, you're I don't I might not have to ever fight again, you know, I'm just You know, I'm going to have this endorsement deal, and uh, it'll be breaking news when
1: it comes. Awesome, man. I look forward to that news breaking. Real quick, though, I know you're a guy. You say you never drink. You never partake in the cannabis. I'm surprised CBD is something you went after.
2: Yeah, you know, I I noticed my my dad originally, you know, Brad Covington, he had been doing CBD, and he said, man, it really helps on my joints, you know, and he had a long career as a wrestler, so he's had to make him joints, you know, hip, knees, and and he said he started using CBD, and it doesn't have any THC in the CBD, so, right. you know, that that's that's why I was like, okay, I can do CBD, you know, there's no THC, it's not weed or anything, it's just CBD, it's just a lotion and a balm, so after hearing the benefits that my dad had with it, I had to try it, and I, I loved it, and it works really good on my joints, you know, after I beat up everybody, after my hands were <laughs> swollen, swollen shut from landing the most strikes ever in the UFC on Robbie Lawler's head, you know, I had to put some CBD on, on my hands. So, you know, we just align, California CBD, their, their, uh, their product, they just align with my brand and, and it's, it's a great partnership and it's a great endorsement where I'm making good money and I have a, a supplemental income now.
1: Awesome, man. Well, listen, Colby, again, can't thank you enough for all the time you gave me today. I hope you get the fight that you deserve and the money you deserve it's been a crazy week, but I know you persevere as always, my friend. We'll catch up again soon, and until then, man, take it easy. You know, do your thing in the gym, but, you know, <laughs> take care of yourself as well, brother. I know you got a lot of a lot of people pointing the target at you.
2: They're just mad because I'm the best in the world. They need to work harder. They need to get better results, and I bang harder chicks. What's the big deal?
1: <laughs> well said, brother. All right, Kobe, we'll catch up again soon, man. Thank you very much, and enjoy that Miami sun.
2: Later, buddy. 9-11, never forget. Peace.
1: Peace. So as I said in the beginning of the show and a few times during that interview, there was a lot to unpack there, a lot going on. And as is always the case with Colby Covington, a whole lot of controversy along the way. I will say that on a personal note, working with both Colby and Jorge over the past few years, it is a bummer for me to witness this falling out and how ugly things have gotten and are likely to get going forward. However, at the end of the day, this is the fight business, and I'm sure this won't be the first time that friends become foes. But let's keep it moving like we always do. BJPenn.com Radio, episode 122. Closing out the show, Raging Ally Aquinta. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the Long Island slugger who is hustling houses when he's not throwing hands inside the octagon. The one and only Raging Ally Aquinta. Thanks as always for taking the time to speak with us today, Al. How's it going, man?
3: Ah, uh, thank you for having me. It's it's going good. It's going good. I've been training hard, putting in a lot of work uh, for a, for a long time now, especially in the lead up to this fight. So, taking a nice day off, brought a, brought my book down to the beach, and I'm relaxing.
1: What are you reading?
3: The Blue Mind. It's uh just it's a book about I I actually I I heard about it on. Joe Rogan's podcast Laird Hamilton uh pro surfer big wave surfer was on and he spoke very highly of it it's kind of about how the ocean and how water affects the brain in so many different ways so I just just got done with the first chapter right before you called me and I'm not a big reader but this book has my attention so I think that uh I'm usually like an auto auto audio book kind of person. You know. I throw books on in the car, but this one I don't know, I think it'll it'll grab my attention so I'll I'll get through this one for sure.
1: Right, well in this day and age I think audio books are, are the way to go. Everybody's on the move constantly, but what a better place to read a book about the ocean than sitting right in front of the ocean.
3: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I thought this morning when I when I woke up and I had the whole day off. I said, What well, how could I not come down to it's like sunny and it's supposed to be 80 degrees today so it's like it's a good day to be uh to kind of get out of the gym and clear my mind
1: now as usual with our conversations before we get into the fight life i always like to ask you about the realtor life and how that's treating you i know with all the talk of recession and some economists saying that they were already there on top of home sales slowing over the past few quarters what's the market been like for you on long island it's
3: still hot, man. It's still hot. Uh, I mean, not in the spring, it was out of control. Uh, sellers market. If you were selling a house in the spring, it was no better time. Houses were selling multiple offers, over asking price. Now it's kind of calmed down a little bit. Uh, from what I've seen, it's, uh, it's turned into uh, favoring the buyers a little more. Right. but uh with the fight coming up, I've kinda put that to the to the um to the back burner i I have agents in my office that are really helping me out with the the clients that I've been dealing with and uh and my friends' family that I look at for houses are really understanding and working with people that uh people that I know and trust it's all working out good i've i've got this is Probably like my fourth right now where I've been selling houses and training so I'm getting I'm getting pretty good at uh, using my time as uh, as good as possible.
1: Right, right, right. Managing all of that. You know, since since interest rates have gone down again and and it looks like the Fed is gonna continue to lower them, that's usually a good situation for home buyers, right? It's
3: definitely a good situation for home buyers. I actually Uh, I'm gonna be, I found a house for myself, I'm gonna be closing after this fight, so having the, uh, having the low interest rates helps out everybody that's buying, and I'm, I'm happy for, uh, I'm I'm really happy for, for myself to get a good rate.
1: That's awesome, man, congratulations, is that your first home, or?
3: No, I, I, uh. I own a little a little starter home in in Seaford on Long Island uh, and I've been looking for a while for, for about a year and a half now uh, on I've been looking on the water and I finally found something on a canal in Merrick which is one of the one of the best towns on Long Island it's uh, a great great area on Long Island and I, I can couldn't be happier with with how everything's working out, so I'm I'm really excited to go to Australia, get this fight in, come back, and and close on this house and move. So It's really like my dream house. It needs a little work, but the location is perfect, and once, once it's all said and done, it'll be like a dream come true.
1: Well, that's awesome to hear, man. But, you know, as much as I find these conversations fascinating, I'm sure our listeners have a really low interest rate for economic talk, so... Let's move on from there. Last time we had you on the show was just before the Cowboy Cerrone fight. Obviously, it didn't go your way, but you proved yet again why you were considered one of the toughest guys in the business. What was the big takeaway for you after the fight in terms of continuing your growth as a martial artist?
3: Oh, I think that it was just, there was a lot of of factors. I think that he's just a, a real tough veteran that has been in there and, you know, he caught me with some shots early, and I had a hard time uh, switching up the game plan and going over plan B, plan C. I kind of had the fight mapped out in my brain on how it was going to go, and when things weren't going my way, I, I didn't really uh, adjust like I had in the past, and I don't know, I think... You know, there was a, there was a, a whole bunch of different little things that uh, affected my performance. And I mean, I I thought I fought well. If, if I landed some good good stuff, and um, there was there was just some little things that uh, was. I watched the fight with Ray and and Matt after the fight. And just little things that I think could have made a big difference, but in there, everything happened so fast. I wasn't really able to slow things down in my mind and process them. I think I'll do a better job of that should that situation uh, present itself again. But I think that when it's all said and done, that fight will be the fight that really uh, propels me to greatness. I think that I, I was doing a lot of things that I was getting away with. In previous fights, but against a veteran and a, and a top guy like Cowboy, you can't, you can't, you can't be doing. It. And and I learned from it. Move on. I've been in the gym. You know, I, I took a, took me a little while to recover from that fight. But once I got back in the gym, my my goal is to get back in there and get back on the winning winning track.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, obviously, I, I was gonna say you must have taken some time off, but. It sounds like you got right back in there as quickly as you could and you're looking at that loss as a as a turning point for your career as a whole.
3: For sure. For sure. I I think like I said it's going to be you no, know, it could a fight like that I think could a lot of fighters would get discouraged and it could be a detriment to their career but I I'm the way my mind works and and The way my team and coaches, my family, every everything, just the way we operate, it's it's uh, just a a small little bit of adversity that. I mean, things were going really good for me up until that fight. So you know, coming off a big fight with Kevin Lee, big win. um, You know, not not that I was looking past Cerrone in any sense, but just you know, looking oh, you beat Cerrone, you're looking at. At the top, and um, you know, this is kind of like a little wake up call that, that I needed, and I reassessed things. Do, yeah, I was, I was, I was on a great track, but just little, little things that, that could help, and just, it's, it's a constant evolution. Keep learning, keep, keep getting better, and that's, it's all you can do is just look forward, but past past it, learn from it. That's it.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that, man. It's a constant constant growth, constant learning experience, and evolution as a martial artist. So, you know, with that outcome behind you and looking ahead now, you're scheduled to make the trip down under, throw down with Dan Hooker at UFC 243 on October 5th. We're just under a a month away from that. How's your training camp been so far? It sounds like it's been going pretty good.
3: It's been going good. It's been going good. I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm beat up. Um. That's you know right where I should be at this point. Um, just training hard. I got some, some of the best trainers, training partners. Uh, it's, it's just everything's everything's feeling good. I'm I'm right where I need to be mentally, physically. I think I'm. This is the best I've ever been. And when I get in there uh, in Australia. October fifth or sixth, depending on where you are. Right. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna see. You're gonna see the best. The best version of me.
1: Now, after his knockout of James Vick, Hooker said he wanted a top ten guy. He mentioned you by name. You responded on Twitter by saying you'd love to do it down under, uh and it seems like the fight was a done deal, like right there. Pretty easy booking for a matchup, no?
3: Yeah, it was pretty easy on my part. I mean. I think the UFC, I don't know if they took me too serious. I think they thought I was kind of like messing around when I said I was, you know, said it that easily because they, I think their plans and my plans before he mentioned my name were to fight at MSG, but, uh, you know, he mentioned my name and he mentioned Australia. I mean, it just sounds like a great, great opportunity. The Marvel arena is, it's going to be the highest capacity uh, the the largest gate, I guess, in in the history of the UFC. So, I'm really looking forward to fighting in front of that many uh, people. The Australian people are great people to fight in front of. The energy and um the knowledge that they brought when I fought back in Sydney was incredible. Um, we we fight we fought. Uh, in the morning, it was, I don't know, maybe like noon, 1 o'clock, and that crowd had been tailgating and partying and and preparing for that fight all morning. So even though it was early in the morning, it was one of the rowdiest crowds and one of the funnest crowds I've fought in front of. Uh, I fought Ross Pearson back then, who was kind of an adopted Australian. right? Um, and even though I was coming from coming from America they gave me a lot of love and although they supported him they treated me great. Uh I think that since then I've been back to Australia and, and taught a bunch of seminars at like five different gyms in Sydney. Um I think that I'll have a good a good uh a good crowd there. I think they really support me. I know a lot of people from uh New Zealand will be coming over um, f- taking that short flight to support their guy. But I think uh, I think I'll, I'll uh, it'll be interesting to see how the crowd reacts to us both, and and I'm really looking forward to fighting in front of that many people.
1: So it sounds like with all the work you've been doing down there, having fought there before, you might be the adopted Australian son this time around.
3: Yeah, I mean, I like to think so. I I love the 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 people and the culture in Australia. I think they work really hard and they play really hard, and that that's something I kind of I kind of I think I do myself. Right. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty Australian for an American. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think we get along well. Every time I've been there, I've, I've kind of just clicked with the people over there. I'm, I'm, uh, I love the beaches over there. It's, it's, it's just a beautiful place to, to be any, in any capacity. So, going over there, spending, uh. A lot of time, you know, we're going, I'm going over there like almost two weeks early, get acclimated to the time difference, get get used to everything, and uh, a bunch of my teammates will be coming over with me. It's going to be really fun, and 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 then I I get to go out there and compete against uh, against uh, against, a, against a tough opponent in front of a large crowd. It's going to be it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah man and going back to what you said earlier about the about knowledgeable fans I mean that's so important uh you know not only is a media guy watching fans but I can only imagine what it's like for you as an athlete going out there having a crowd that's not only raucous and and fired up but but to know what's going on there and have having some kind of understanding you know rather than over here when you get booze when when everything hits the ground and that kind of thing. That That's always good. But it, obviously you're going out there early to get acclimated to the time and all that stuff. But any plans to stick around after the fight and, you know, enjoy some more of that culture? I
3: probably I would have, um, but I got that. I'm, I'm closing on that house, so I got to get home to do that. That's the only thing that's keeping me from getting lost in Australia again. The last time I was there, I stayed for a couple of weeks after and just kind of cruised up and down the coast, surfed, and, and I, Went all the way up to the Great Barrier Reef. Wow. Uh, I was kind of planning on doing the same thing this time, but I do have a uh, a date that I need to close on the house by, so that's the only thing that's keeping me keeping me from staying. I think that I I don't think this will be the last time I'm I'm going to be in Australia though, so I will uh, I'll enjoy every second of it while I'm there. Uh, probably a few days after the fight, and then I'll uh, get back and and. Uh, Get the house taken care of and, and whatever the opportunity presents itself again I am sure I'll be over there.
1: For sure, for sure. Now getting back to the task at hand for the trip down under, give us your thoughts on Dan as an opponent and how you guys match up stylistically.
3: I think he's he's a very tough opponent. He's he, he's the kind of guy that you gotta put out. He he doesn't really he doesn't go he doesn't go out easily. Um, so I'm going to be, the goal is to put him out early. The goal is to finish the fight quick and easy. And, uh, I think that's definitely a possibility. I have a lot of, a lot of things that I've been working on that I think I could land early in the fight. But if not, I know he's tough and I know, uh, it'll be a, a 15 minute, um, beat down, yeah, I'll put I'll put it on, I'm in great shape, and I'll be more than content to beat on him for the entire 15 minutes.
1: Now, he's a very polished striker, Uh, he's had some devastating knockouts in his UFC tenure, I know you're very confident in your boxing, and rightfully so, but I'd imagine you're going to have a very clear-cut advantage over Dan when it comes to the wrestling, right?
3: Yeah, I don't think they really wrestle in New Zealand too much, so... I mean, if, if the opportunity presents itself for me to get a takedown, I think that uh, yeah, that's always that's always a possibility. He's got some good he's got some good submissions and stuff that I've been uh, I've been working I've been working on in the gym to just stay away from his strengths on, on that in that aspect. But I think that I think that I have a just I've been training with guys that are so good and so. So technical, so strong, so tough that uh, anything he throws at me, uh, he's he's got he's got a few things that are very dangerous. But I think anything he throws at me will be something I've seen before.
1: Yeah, man. Just to touch on that quick, you know, obviously uh, your entire team has been full of killers for 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 many years now. But it seems like things are really building up for you guys over there.
3: Yeah, no, it's just a testament to our hard work and. Long Island it's a you know, it's not it's not a huge place we're coming from. It's just the community, the wrestling community, we all grew up like Weidman, Aljamain, Sterling, Favola, all these guys, uh Vellante, all, all these, we all knew each other knew of we knew of each other competing, uh Against each other's teams growing up in high school wrestling, and then we kind of kept tabs on each other as we got out of school and wrestling in college and, and whatnot. we all found Ray Longo and Matt Sarah, so it's a testament to it just our culture on Long Island is is very competitive. We're all cut from the same cloth. We all have the same mindset. And when you get guys like that coming, all coming together, it just—it's uh it's a great thing. We go to the gym, we bullshit, we bust balls, we have fun. But it's when it's time to work, we work hard. And then the same thing after the practice, we—we we, it's, it's the same thing, light, lighthearted, nothing too serious. So it's enjoyable going to the gym every day. I look forward to seeing my team and my teammates, and uh, it, it's just all positive energy every day, day after day, helping each other excel. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, we're, we're on a good roll right now. And I only think, I only see things going up from here.
1: Yeah, man, I, I'd agree with you a hundred percent. And like you're talking about there, camaraderie plays such an important part of of having a strong team and, and a great team. So, you know, obviously, um, the results speak for themselves, certainly. But in terms of importance for this matchup, for your career, you were right on the cusp of a title shot like you were talking about earlier with the fight uh, against Cowboy. You've never tasted defeat twice in a row. So that being said, you know, every fight is important, but tell us how important it is to get back in the win column and take this guy out in almost his backyard.
3: Yeah, it's, that's, you're only as good as your last fight, and right now I'm not looking too great, I guess, so. Uh, I gotta get out there and just show people. You no, know, I and mean, I'm not just a tough guy. I'm actually really, really skilled and really good. And that's that's the goal in this fight to show people how good I am. I think that Dan Hooker's tough, and people think I'm tough, but uh, the 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 winner in this fight is gonna be the one who shows their skills and the, the toughness cancels each other out. I think just in every aspect of fighting, I'm I'm more experienced. I'm just a better fighter, so that's that's what you're gonna see uh, in October.
1: Now, does a big win over Dan does that put you back into the mix for title contention? In your opinion?
3: uh in this in this sport, you could be you could be thrust right up in there. I was I hadn't oh. fought in, in you know like three or four years. I I had one fight, like ninety seconds, and then out of nowhere, I'm fighting uh, for the title against Khabib. So uh you could you could be down one day when a big win gets you right back in there so i'm I'm not really looking i'm not really looking at what this win's gonna do for me I'm just really looking to get out there and and do my thing and show people who I really am sure remind people uh in case they forgot because of that last performance.
1: Yeah, I know. You, I get what you're saying. You're kind of going back to the situation with Cowboy, not looking past the guy at all, but having all of those things of the future on your mind. Uh, this time, you're strictly focused on the task at hand and and going out there and putting on the best show that you possibly can.
3: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Now, speaking of the title picture, what did you make of the Khabib Poirier fight? Did that play out how you expected?
3: Uh, a little bit. I, I, um, yeah. I mean. I thought that uh everything played out the way that I expected except for really just the comments in the corner Dustin's comments in the corner in between rounds it sounded like he was really surprised that he was getting uh out wrestled and kind of controlled which I I I feel like that would have been um expected or not even not expected but just that visualizing that fight in the lead up you you would he, he would have seen that as a possibility and then um used used it to used it to like it was he got he got out wrestled in the first round and in the corner he was like not a lot of space not a lot you know almost like a panic that he wasn't expecting it was I feel like that would have been a neutral kind of a neutral thing it's like all right you expected this to happen and and then the second round he landed some shots, Uh but then same thing in the corner he's saying he's all over me and I can't get him off of me and well yeah, but you landed shots so let's build off that you know I I, I think that I, I think that he went for that guillotine and the guillotine was close it was tight but once once Khabib got out of it I think that was it he was kind of uh, the the momentum really shifted and. And there wasn't too much of a defense for that choke. And same as, uh, same as Connor. It's like they gave that one last effort. You know, Connor won his, he won the the round prior. And then, uh, once he couldn't get him out of there, it was like that, that was it. Pretty quick, pretty quick on the tap. And, um, Khabib is just an animal. and, And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I hope that Ferguson gets that fight and we can see that fight finally play out. I think that's the the fight that really needs to happen deserves to happen um so i'm 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 looking forward. i mean what a great time for the lightweights is just so many good fights and so many possibilities but definitely, i think that, definitely i think yeah I think Ferguson deserves that next shot.
1: Uh, I, I agree with you 100% there, but interesting take uh, that I would certainly agree with as well. Uh, rather than, you know, going back to the corner and kind of making adjustments, it was almost like they, they went into panic mode almost. So you're, you you make a very valid argument there for that. But just to, just to stick with his success in the second round there for a moment, it looked like he had Khabib in trouble there. Uh, you know, being a guy to this day who has arguably looked the best against Khabib, what do you think the recipe is to defeat him?
3: But I think that uh, you know he does. He is he's very very dangerous in certain positions, and he's very good at getting to those positions. So um, you know it's got to it got got to make it a different fight than than he's used to. I think he's great against the cage, so you don't want to be there with him. Um, and uh, yeah, he put he was putting pressure on him in the second round, and that's when he really looked the best. I don't think he was as hurt as everyone. Made it out to be, sure. um, but I think that Khabib's so dominant that any little any little blip is is kind of um, uh, multiplied in, in everyone's eyes as as you know. Oh wow, Khabib's you know he's looking like he's getting beat up or whatever. But right. he, oh, I yeah, mean, he, he got, got hit, a hit with punch, a, yeah. he got hit with a punch, and and I think that people didn't expect that, so it was. It was uh, a surprise, but he, he weathered that storm pretty good. He threw a couple of shots to get Dustin off of him, and and then uh, you know went back to went back to his game plan.
1: Now you talked about it a bit there. Tony is the obvious first choice; it, it has to be. But Dana seems to keep mentioning Connor. I, it would be a damn shame if they booked the Connor rematch. In my opinion, I'm sure you'd agree with that.
3: Yeah, yeah, that would be a that would definitely be. You know, if the the only reason that that fight would happen again is for money. And, uh, I mean, it's it, it would be a shame if that's the if that's the whole goal of this thing. Then, and it seems that recently it has been. Um, you know, these guys that are champions should be held to the highest regard. Kamar Usman and Khabib and. Um, they should be fighting the number one contender. Uh, if, if it works out, if it works out that the big money fights happen, then great. I think that no matter who Connor fights, it'll be it, it'll make the same. You know, if you if you have Khabib fight Tony and then Connor fight uh, whoever, I think that that those two fights will bring bring in a tremendous amount of money and you're kinda of sticking to the format of the number one contender getting what's rightly deserved in, in a in a title shot. The no way it should be. But, yeah, it's the way it should be. And the money would still I think the money still be there. Connor brings Connor brings the money no matter who he fights. Right. You know what I mean? So uh you're really getting two big money fights rather than just one huge money fight and and uh, it it really would do nothing for Khabib to beat him again, other than other than a lot of money, and um, it doesn't seem like that's what Khabib's all about. But I I don't know. It's it's a tricky situation. It's 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 uh, it's it's, it's definitely a, a tricky thing. But it's um, I guess a good problem for him to have.
1: Right. <laughs> no, you make a great point, man. I mean. Monetary is, is is always the bottom line at the end of the day. However, we also have to have some integrity here. So, um, I, I agree with you there, man. But uh, in regards to Tony, a lot of people say that Tony's the guy that that awkward style he has, those Darce chokes. They they you know a lot of people say that that Tony is the is the biggest threat to Khabib. Do you think he could get it done?
3: I do. I think so. Yes, but I, I don't think it's likely. I, um, Kevin Lee. In the beginning of that fight, kind of handled him with the wrestling, put him up, put him down, passed his guard, mounted him. Uh, uh, even uh, Danny Castillo, way back, I, I'm, I don't, I don't remember. I gotta watch that fight again, but I'm pretty sure Danny Castillo really handled him in the wrestling department, and it was a really close fight. Obviously, he's gotten a lot better than then and, and, and everything, but he was caught in that dark stroke. But I think Khabib's just. He's tough. He's he's tough to get. He's tough to get with the with those chokes, and I, I think it would be could he? Yes, but is it likely? No. I, I would go with Khabib. I think that Khabib would probably, uh, in my in my head would probably make it uh, make it look like he's been making it look. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Now, getting back to you being the toughest matchup for Khabib thus far, I feel like in a perfect world, this is me personally. Khabib sticks around for a bit. You put a few big wins under your belt. We do that rematch in Madison Square Garden next year, the year after. What say you?
3: Yeah, no, I've I've been uh, every fight he fights, I'm rooting for him. I hope he keeps winning, and and I hope he keeps making me look, you know, making me look good and making me look tough. Uh, I think that. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's it's all uh, there it was a, a lot of respect going into that fight and. I still have a lot of respect for him. I just think that with a full training camp and the preparation, um, he hasn't faced anybody since then with a wrestling pedigree like mine. Uh, I grew up wrestling and then transferred over to MMA. I wasn't one of these guys like, uh, Dustin O'Connor that, uh, started doing everything else and then tried to learn wrestling. Once I found out I was fighting, compete, it was kind of the opposite. I've, I've wrestled my whole life and then I was training for a
0: three round
3: uh, kickboxer so the the preparation for that fight was totally different than it would be and totally different than they were afforded the, the uh the ability to have so uh just working hard I'm working hard on my entire game I've been wrestling with better wrestlers I've been striking with better strikers and I've been grappling with better grapplers, jiu-jitsu artists. I mean, guys that are just out of this world. So I think you're going to see that uh, in October, and I'm just going to keep working hard, keep winning, and and the goal is is to win that
1: belt. Right. Nose to the grindstone, keep doing what you got to do, and hopefully that opportunity presents itself down the line. Absolutely. All right, listen, Al, you've been more than generous with your time, as always, man. Just a few more questions for you here. Before we wrap this thing up, though, I wanted to touch on some on on the stuff you did with that viral sensation known as the Bagel Boss. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how that came about and what was that experience like for you?
3: Uh he's he's a Long Island guy that uh, you know came upon some tough times, and I think he was he was uh, you know, I think he's he's got some he's got some. Some things going on in his life, but who doesn't? You right. know, when MMA, it's really it's helped me, and it's I've seen it help so many people kind of like shape and mold them into uh, great people, helpful people, and um, when when I saw that video, it kind of it, it kind of touched my my heart a little bit. I was like, oh man, this guy has probably been like. You could just see the frustration and and everything. So uh, I, I know people that know him, and I invited him down to the gym to train a little bit. Uh, it was it was kind of brought the the opportunity was brought through through mutual acquaintances, and I was like, yeah, let's get the guy down here, and and we'll see what he's got. He came in. He was very humble. He was kind of like uh, a little shy with the whole atmosphere. The gym can be it's pretty intimidating. You're walking in and. You know, you see everybody's picture hung up on the wall. Guys that fight in the UFC and everything like that. So he was definitely kind of taken back, and he was pretty knowledgeable about uh, the guys that train at the gym and 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 the sport in general. Uh, he he, we kind of got him, we got him comfortable, and he loosened up. And he he was just so entertaining. It was it was uh, it was it was awesome. It was a great night. I think we all left there uh smiling, happy and he learned he he learned a lot about the sport and um he he's been preparing for this fight that he's got in September and we'll see. I think I think he's going to go out there and I think he's going to do great. Right.
1: And to your point like you were saying earlier or just a moment ago, I mean training your body to the point of knowing that you can handle yourself and most situations that's a huge confidence booster, so I mean that that goes hand in hand with what you're talking about uh but is he training there exclusively or was that a one and done thing
3: he that was kind of a one time thing uh you know the opportunity the invitation is always there for him to come down and and continue with the training and um I just think he's so busy right now with with all the obligations he has he's he was uh you know, he was kind of he was thrust right up there and people people are uh, people are people want to see him and he's doing he's got he's got uh, appearances all over the place he's doing a lot of things so uh, I'm happy that I'm happy that he's uh, hopefully he's enjoying this all and it's doing good things for him I hope that you know everything works out the best for him and um, I think that he he probably had it pretty rough in the past and if he's enjoying this whole thing, then uh, I'm very happy for him.
1: All right. Well, it's just a prime example of New Yorkers looking out for their own, man.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. New Yorkers and Long wow, Island, you know, specific. Long Islanders right. is in general. And, and you know, he, he's from uh, he's from a town not too far from from the gym and from where I grew up. So, anything I could do to to anything I could do.
1: Tonight. All right, man. Well, listen, getting back to October 5th and Dan Hooker, how do you visualize the fight playing out?
3: I've seen it. I've seen it a million different ways in my head. I see me going out there and making it look easy. I've seen myself getting beat up for two and a half rounds and having to dig deep, come back late in the third and get that victory. So no matter how it happens, I'm getting my hand raised. There's not a doubt in my mind. I've been working my whole life for this. I've been working too hard. I've trained. With people that are too good, I've, I've fought people that are too good. You know, it's just this. It's my time right now, and I'm going to go out there and show everybody that I'm not just a tough guy. I am the best fighter in the world.
1: Reg- regardless of the situation, whatever happens, you'll be prepared for all of it.
3: That's it. No matter what happens, I'm ready. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm just too experienced at this point. I think it's. It's. Uh. It's going to be a great night. It's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to the crowd over there. I'm looking forward to fighting in front of the Australian people once again and 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 making it a great memory.
1: And in conclusion, for all the raging ally Quinta fans out there and all the haters as well, man, what can every, everybody expect from you for the remainder of 2019? Do you fight again after October or do you continue that quest for a UFC title in early 2020?
3: Hey, I'd love to do it again. I'd love to. Uh, the, the, being active is definitely something that I would love to do. I, we'll just see. We'll see how it goes. And tune in October, October fifth or October sixth, depending on what half of the world you're in. And you're, you're going to see a great show, and you're going to see a future world champion put on put on a, a a technical
1: performance. Well, we're certainly looking forward to the fight. And all your continued success, my friend. Again, greatly appreciate the time today. Any shout outs, sponsor plugs, anything like that before we let you go?
3: I suspect CBD uh, uh, has been helping me get through uh, injuries throughout this whole training camp. Every training camp, you have bumps, bruises, little injuries, little, little stuff, and the CBD has really helped me. It's uh, an all natural product that is. So beneficial to people in any walk of life. So IsoSpec CBD is a great uh, product that I've been using. Uh, American Ethanol has been there for me through the ups and downs of my whole career. And I can't say enough how great they are to me. And uh, Team Saralongo, New York, McCann's of Massapequa and Queens, everybody. All the Australians, I don't know. What else do I got? I got nothing for you. We said it all. We
1: said said it all. We said it all.
3: You know what I mean?
1: Hey, man, all the bases covered. All right, Al, listen.
3: October 5th, October 6th, let's go.
1: Right. All right, Al, listen. Have a great training camp. Safe travels. And best of luck on the 5th slash 6th, my friend.
3: Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: All right, buddy. And there you have it, folks. Raging Ally Aquinta, set to face Dan Hooker at UFC 243, October 5th. It's going to be one hell of a scrap. Make sure you guys tune in. That's it for me. That's it for us. BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice. This was episode 122. Thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Also, make sure you guys follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and set up alerts. As the news breaks, you'll be notified. You'll see it before the rest of the world. On behalf of the whole team, everybody at BJPenn.com, we appreciate all the continued support. We're the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today, and that means a lot to us. Everything you crave from the sports you love, BJPenn.com we have got you covered. Until next time, my friends, we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out, everybody.